0: Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
1: You have 47 new voicemails.
0: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sunday mornings on The Score.
3: We are in the midst of an opening weekend A lot of great moments from the opening few days around baseball. And we'll check in with our Bruce Levine at Wrigley Field in a few moments. Did you guys see a balloon come slowly to rest in the middle of the diamond in Los Angeles late Thursday night? It was the second game of the night. I was watching West Coast baseball late night, as uh, I've dreamed of doing for a few months. And somewhere, somehow, one of those foil happy birthday balloons came floating down from the sky right in front of the shortstop position in los angeles no fans in the stands there are no parties where'd the balloon come from came from some other party or some other house somewhere in the city of los angeles It floated up and decided to come down in the middle of the diamond i don't i don't know why that got me but uh but it did got me good uh baseball is here it has been a pleasure to be upset about little baseball things over the first couple of games. One and one are both the Cubs and the Sox, and a lot of things to break down, good and bad. And we do so with our man, Bruce Levine, Bruce, who scores baseball insider, who joins us live now from Wrigley Field. What's
4: up, Bruce? How are you? You know, um, I wonder how many times we're going to say there are 26 teams now tied uh, with the same record. <laughs> during this uh, 60 game, and I'm not using that S word either. Uh, that's totally banned. No more 60 game S. You know we're, not, we, we're coming up with different terms. It's a tournament, It's a, a 60 game uh, run for the roses, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's not the uh, S word that everybody's been using over and over again. Please do not use that word. It's almost like a curse word now.
3: Bruce is um, is one of the guys, uh, one of the venerable baseball guys, who is angry, bothered by this expansion of the playoffs. What two hours before the season, and this expansion of of the playoffs that that renders the regular season um, less meaningful. Um, when In we my all, mind, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, it does. No, it does. It it, it, it it's doubtless that it does. Yeah, it's because and we had all wrapped our heads around the sixty games and and we're kind of excited for it. Um, but but you, so what is the likelihood that a decent team doesn't make the top eight from the NL or the AL? That's harder Zero. to fathom than it was.
4: Zero, because how many teams are going to have almost the same record? I mean, we, we're, we're going to be rewarding mediocrity. OK, that, that's the thing you worry the most about. Uh, when you expand playoffs, and you've watched other sports do it over the years, and and baseball was slower, and I appreciated the fact that baseball was slower and moving toward um, you know wild card status, it took them longer than the other uh, leagues to um, get to the playoffs because of the fact that the, the 162 game season has to be rewarded. It has to mean something. If they take this model of more than uh, 50 percent of the teams making the playoffs every year going forward just for a money grab uh, for both sides. You're just watering down a reason for people to go to the ballpark and see meaningful games, uh, you know, in April, May and June. Uh, that really won't amount to much uh, with all the teams making the playoffs. Well, that's the big question, Bruce. Is is the lid off the bottle now,
3: and this is going to remain? Because that would be a big time bummer if it does remain and devalue the one sixty two.
4: Yeah, and uh, that that's the thing you most worry about. You know the fact that uh, you know if if, uh, if indeed you know your your best team, the team that wins one hundred and seven, one hundred and eight games, is uh, beaten by somebody who uh, actually won um, 82 or 83 games and got into this expanded uh, even 79 or 80 games could could make it with uh, more than 50 percent of the teams being involved so from all of that uh, you know you have to you have to wonder where this is going to go once they've uh, expanded and given tv these opportunities how do you take it back
3: yeah, um, it's going to be difficult to take back, and it will have a negative effect. In this weird, wacky year, I'm able to wrap my head around it a little bit um, mm-hmm. as as we move forward, um, but I certainly understand your feelings on it. I, I wonder if the math even works out, by the way, for all four of the good teams in the NL Central to make the playoffs. Top two in each division. Is it even Mm -hmm. possible that the three and four teams in the central could be the, the both wild cards?
4: Probably. Sure. Sure. I mean, uh, it's the best seven and eight, best seven and eight record after that. Right. Uh Uh, Uh In each league. So I don't know. Look, uh, I'm not, you know, people know, uh, that, you know, I look at things and and I, I, do have some perspective of history in baseball. I'm also for, uh, moving forward and trying new things. I really am. Uh, You know, certainly at one point in the last 20 years, the wild card was uh, something new. Divisional play was something new. Uh, Inter-league play was something new. Um, I I didn't like those at the beginning, and now uh, you can't imagine the game without it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Especially the wild card. I mean, it's expanded people's interests. It's expanded uh, owners' and general managers' thoughts about how their team is built and how long it should compete during a certain year. It's kept baseball uh, fans' attention going into the NFL season. So all that has turned out to be great. I'm open for looking at these changes. I'm not looking. I'm not looking for money grabs or for uh, people to, uh, you know, reinvent the game by putting people at second base and and you know chazurai like that. And look up chazurai in the dictionary and you'll you'll find out what it means. It means a bunch of junk.
3: Uh, Those of us who don't need to look up Khazar, appreciated that greatly. Um, All right, one more abstract one before we get to some specifics. What is home field advantage right now? Do you have a sense for that at all? Obviously, you watch the Cubs. They know that their health and safety protocols are very solid. They know exactly how to get into the ballpark and how to go about everything they need to, to do. They know where to work out and where everything is, and then they get to bat last in every inning including the penultimate innings. That is that the extent of home field advantage or am I missing anything? Now without fans.
4: No, I, I you know without the fans here it uh, you know it puts everybody pretty much on equal ground, don't you think? I mean it's just uh that there's just not much you know you know there's just not that energy going toward in a positive way toward your team and a neg- way, negative way toward other teams. And you know other teams, you know the great players you've heard over the years uh talk about how they uh they get their energy resource, their chip on their shoulder from fans booing them as well. So so that energy source is missing totally in baseball as we know. No contrived uh sound uh is gonna uh is gonna you know emulate what uh that's all about it's not gonna replicate it to the point where it's gonna have an advantage. So I see I see um, teams coming in from out of town being on a more equal plane with uh, with home teams this year.
3: Has David Ross yet been asked about hitting Jason Hayward in the six hole? We see that in the third for the third game in a row, and we know what the feelings are personally. We know uh, about the excellence of Jason Hayward really in every aspect of baseball life except at the plate these days. Um, has he been asked about it yet, Bruce?
4: Um, I am going to ask him for you after the game. I appreciate it, And and it's a great question because I think in a nice way you're saying, why is he batting that high yeah. with the lack of production that he's proved over the years? And it's a very fair question on your part. But I think what you're looking at in these lineups uh, that David's putting out there is as much left, right, left, right, left, right, uh, bottom of the order, switch, left, switch. Uh, you know, he's had the, the Caratini... Uh, left or right-handed batter and then hap so that uh, when the games progress on later in the game mm-hmm. and you might see it today so you have you'll have Hader maybe coming in in the seventh eighth or ninth inning he's fresh he could he could pitch more than two innings today if it's a close game um, that means that uh, they don't have to pinch hit as much or uh, you know try to use uh, extra guys and the bottom of that order thats has been taken advantage of when you have Caratini and Hap there as switch hitters. That's, a, that's an, an interesting approach that, that we'll watch to see if uh, Ross continues to use in his lineups uh, throughout this season here. And, and the other thing is, you know, getting away from directly your Hayward question, is we have yet to see in three games uh, the predicted Kyle Schwarber DH role, right? Yeah. So three games, and he's been in left field all three. Uh, Ross has preferred to go with his two catcher, you know, tandem there. He likes, he likes them both as hitters in his lineup right now.
3: Yeah, those, those, those are the guys. Those are the bats he wants the most in there. It's, he's got, he's got Contreras and Caratini in there, every single day so far. Whoever's not catching gets to DH. Um, it'll be interesting if, uh, if, if Hayward. You know, you could you could swap Hayward and Caratini. You know, the, the, you could yep. do some things and and maintain that righty lefty balance that I, I completely a, a agree needs to be a factor. Um, anything else from Ross in pregame yeah, today? I mean, uh, just about?
4: just just stepping up uh, one, 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 one more fact on this, and that is with Happ in center field still evolving as a center fielder. Let's say um, you you still want to keep that Hayward defense in there to keep. Keep, uh, you know, the best defense that you can, in some semblance, in your outfield, okay? Because you're, you're going to have a, a, a gap coverage situation in the bigger ballparks uh, when you have um, Schwarber, uh, you have Happ, and then you have Hayward. You know, you're, you're going you're to be missing some balls in the gaps there because of uh, the lack of uh, being able to go into the gaps for a couple of those guys. Uh, so, as far as uh, the rest of yes. what he said today, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, um, he, he's just basically, uh, you know, we we saw uh, Brad Weck go on the uh, DL and uh, IL rather, and uh, Ryan Tapura come up here. So uh, you know, the IL is such a big deal now. You miss you know fifteen percent of the season just about when you go on for ten days. So uh, that's that's one move. Uh, most of the conversation was about. The trepidation of traveling um, to uh, for their first road trip and uh, keeping the group together, safe, um, and uh, some of the fears that they may have on the road as they bring in meals and they have little group gatherings to keep everybody kind of on the same page on the road, so uh, they're they're not buying off to a different track and uh, worried about uh, bringing back the virus. Mm-hmm
3: um understandably uh, you know and they got a taxi squad to figure out both these teams white Sox and cubs have to name a three-man taxi squad and for those who don't know it's a three-man group that you bring with you on the road that is available to replace anybody on your 30-man roster yeah. if, if if need be just in case there's a positive test on the road essentially is the thought
4: so hernan perez has already been named by uh by David Ross, is a guy that will travel on that squad. He's, he's holding out for the next two. uh wasn't sure quite sure yet uh, before the game ended, but Hernan Perez, who's out in the South Bend roster, a veteran infielder, will be a part of that uh, traveling uh, taxi squad.
3: Um, on the other side of town, Bruce, we have a lineup without Yuan Moncada, and I, I know that the hope is, and Renteria, Rick Renteria has said as much just moments ago, that he'll play all three in Cleveland, starting tomorrow. So you had five out of the first six from a guy coming off COVID. That much I, I understand and have urged people to not freak out about seeing Mankata get a day off early. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a leg issue, too. You know, I mean, the guy missed two weeks and he did a phenomenal job of catching up rather quickly uh, because he wasn't able to do anything for two weeks uh, during the time he was out. Um, but, you know, young legs, you know, 25 years old and, uh, you know, uh, an MVP candidate uh, from this point on. You, you see what, how he broke out last year and you, you can just anticipate that uh, he's going to bring, uh, you know, that type of uh, excitement to the ballpark every day for the rest of his career. So just I think it's just a common day off for uh, uh, tune up purposes for Mankata.
3: I will say this though Ricky's got to be careful about how he talks about this he said moments ago that he wanted to give Mankata a break from throwing today more than anything that's mm-hmm. you can Dh somebody when you do that there's a whole there's a whole position where you don't have to throw you know, it at all.
4: He, he's got a lot of DHs doesn't he uh
3: yeah yeah I mean, but I mean he, he's got he's got when you're to playing my- the
4: twins when you're playing the twins you're right you need as much firepower as you can get is a big part of that, yeah. but uh, if you if you put him at DH, then you're you're probably benching Incarnacion or another bat like um, you know your catcher who you catch often and you DH uh, sometimes as well. So that this is all uh, you know. It's all a, a big experiment right now with these lineups and uh, the way that uh, Renteria has the the great depth that he's never had before to deal with and how how he will use it. Yeah, I mean, that, that was. Basically, the the part of your question, which was uh, an interesting one, Matt, is you have all these great elements. How do you juggle it right now?
3: Yeah. Um, All right. Thank you so much, Bruce. Appreciate it. Anything else we should know from the ballpark? You good?
4: good. Uh, No, there's no hot dogs, hamburgers or beer. (laughs) Uh, No no Miller Lite, nothing, you know. So I guess uh, enjoy your time outside of the ballpark. Enjoy baseball. I I certainly am. Thanks, Matt.
3: Thanks, Bruce. That's Bruce Levine, uh, our MLB insider from over there at Wrigley. Yeah, um, boy, it, it, I think that's, that's, that's a wording issue. You don't want to say it that way because people will go crazy. I just want to make sure Moncada doesn't have to throw the ball. Well, then put him at DH against a righty starting pitcher who dominates righties.
5: Oh, and if- he's, he's better on the left side, too. Like, he is a better left-handed hitter than he is a right-handed hitter. It makes zero sense. So would you you be
3: okay, Sean, if it's a day off for Edwin Encarnacion today and Moncada's in there?
5: Yeah, I, I would be fine with that. Like Bruce said, we have a ton of DHs, but we've only seen one so far. We've only seen Edward, which is fine. Mm-hmm. He's been, you know, obviously yesterday. I'm not going to complain. He went deep, um, but I, I'm still, you know, Moncada is your best player. You have to play him as many times as possible. And I understand he's dealing with COVID. He's coming back from this injury, but you're facing a divisional opponent and likely the one that is going to be above you if you lose, you know, more games than them.
3: Yeah, every game matters. I, I certainly would have loved to have seen Mankata in there at a DH if you're not worried about that part of it for him. But it's a full full day off three days into the season. And if he's going to play all three in Cleveland and you get five out of six from him for a guy coming off COVID who you said to everybody was going to need a day off every once in a while, then I think that's understandable. But when you say you're worried about him throwing – that's a real bad look. you got to choose those words much more carefully. Chris Kamka is going to join us at 1140. When we come back, though, some insight onto one of the big roster decisions that got questioned a lot before the White Sox named their 30-man roster. We'll get deep into that next. You'll hear from Rick Hahn on 670 The score.
1: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch visit your local T-Mobile store today plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary
6: after the loss last night I had one of the fans say that I should break out my dog socks oh really that's exactly what I did today for good luck you did yeah Hopefully they're more than five-inning socks because they've held on pretty well right now. The purple ones today? No. Blue. Blue to most matching, match matching your yeah. shirt, but <laughs> certainly not mine, which is totally different. <laughs> Unbelievable. Day two, we do that. Well, there's a shirt crisis, you know. A shirt shortage? There is. Well, you only do laundry like twice a season, right? No, I'm, I'm now a frequent laundry guy. Not, not many places to go these days. It's true. Outdoor engagements, minimal. Laundry is a highlight. Please, one of the sports <laughs> talk shows in this city, make Steve's Laundry is a Highlight one of your hot buttons, okay? Next time you go on 670, I think they should just play that. Laundry is a highlight.
3: Bonetti and Stone have been great fun already. Casper and Duches, we only got one game out of them. <coughs> but we'll get them back. You know who's always here for you? Pat Hughes. Ron Coomer, Zach Zaidman, right here on 6-7 of the score, and they'll be up today. Pre game <coughs> pardon me. Pre-game begins at 1220. I need a cough button on my little machine here. I don't have one. Uh, excuse me. Uh pregame. Laundry is a highlight. and uh if if you can't if you're listening on radio.com to 670 the score and then the game time comes and you can't hear it because you're streaming um make sure you grab the mlb at bat app with that app you can hear the hometown call of every team for every game it's very easy just click the little little headphones in the top corner of the app and you can choose your feed and you can hear your score guys the whole way, or of course, uh, if you're in our listening uh, our listening parameters, just over the air at 670, you can just do that as well. All right. Um, while people continue to freak out over the lack of Juan Moncada in today's lineup for the White Sox, wanted to talk a little bit about Nick Madrigal and play some Rick Han for you. A couple different pieces of Rick Han that explain sort of. I, I think you'll get a window into the decision on Nick Madrigal um, first and the decision was to send him to Schomburg. first this is Rick with Lawrence Holmes the other day when asked about locking up Luis Robert early um, this is their philosophy behind those extensions
2: when we identify someone that we think has the potential to be part of a, a core piece of a championship club you know historically we've been aggressive in trying to lock them up and keep them around uh, as long as possible and it, it really comes down to balancing your choice of risk do you want to risk the fact the chance that the player is precisely who you think he is uh... and over the course of his career you know the allure of of the free agent dollars becomes overwhelming and and you're unable to guarantee keeping that player through the prime or would you rather take the other risk that perhaps you miss on one of these guys by committing to them uh... a, a guaranteed contract too early in their career before you have all the information Uh, You know, Luis, uh, historically, with Jerry's support, we've tried to err on the side of taking the risk of potentially being wrong, as opposed to letting that premium talent potentially walk out the door uh, for their prime. And knock on wood, so far, it's worked out pretty good.
3: It has indeed worked out pretty good. And the kind of player he's talking about there is Luis Robert, is Juan Moncada, is Aloy Jimenez. Nick Madrigal's not that kind of player. That's one dose of reality that I think White Sox fans need to, need to take, and maybe they've been able to take it okay, but some have not. Nick Madrigal is good, good contact hitter, real solid defensive second baseman, could be um, a very capable part of a lineup like this, bringing a different dynamic to it, different dimension to it. But he's not one of those guys that you're going to be terrified about in terms of arbitration years and free agency in years to come. So he doesn't offer that on the back end, that fear, that danger on the back end, that they've bought out with Luis Robert, that they've bought out with Moncada and Jimenez. At least a couple of the free agent years for for all of those guys have been bought out with their extended contracts. So that's one piece, to understand where Nick Madrigal falls in their own estimation. And here is another, this is Rick Hahn speaking in the conference call. This is the reality of what I think the situation was with Nick Madrigal uh, until the injury to Nomar Mazzara. This is Rick explaining why Madrigal goes to Schaumburg.
2: We really don't want to let the injury at the big league level affect the timeline for a prospect for promotion. So we really wanted to make this decision over, uh, what was best for the club overall, as well as consideration for Nikki's long-term development. Uh, you know, it it came down to in the end that we felt that the lineup was stronger and overall, we're going to be more productive with Lurie at second base providing us that, you know, switch hitting presence in the lineup. Uh, certainly currently Lurie seems, uh, uh, his timing and, and readiness seems to be a little ahead of where, where Nikki was over the last couple of weeks. He had, look, he had a, uh, I know the, the overall numbers for the Cactus League going back to Glendale and the three games here aren't, aren't extremely impressive for Nikki, but uh, he certainly uh, much more looked apart over the last three weeks uh, to his credit. He, he came in ready to compete and uh, we still think the world of him and believe he's going to help us at some point over the course of the summer.
3: So if you catch the beginning and the middle of that, the middle of it tells you that they like Lori Garcia better at the plate than Nick Madrigal. Home runs from both sides of the plate yesterday for Lurie make that look pretty smart pretty fast. And if you catch the beginning of that, Madrigal wasn't going to make this team. And then when Mazzara got hurt, they thought about having him make the team. And when I say hurt, ill. And we all know what we think it is, but he hasn't said it out loud, so we won't either. But so Mazzara's illness was going to be the only reason that Madrigal might make this team, and they decided they didn't want to let that be the case. So Madrigal's just not as not as good as those other guys. I think most people probably realize it, probably understand it at this point. But there's the context on it from Rick Hahn about one of their... You know, very good young players and important young players, but not to the level and the caliber of the other guys that you have seen. You know, there are things you might not notice if you don't really watch the games. And it's one of the things I love about baseball is that you can't fake it. As a broadcaster, as a fan in conversations, it becomes pretty evident if you didn't actually watch the games because the highlight packages and a recap are not enough. To wit, There were two fly ball outs to Luis Robert yesterday in deep into the gap that he made look easy that are not easy. They're not. And unless you're watching the games, you don't even think about it because it doesn't show up as a highlight. It's not an error, so it doesn't get listed. And nobody's going to run a highlight of Luis Robert making what appear to be routine catches, deep left center, deep right center. Nobody's going to run that highlight. But if you watch the games and you were watching those, my goodness. Dude has really good speed, I think has gotten a lot better on his routes to the ball, gets good jumps, and just is such a fluid athlete, he makes the difficult look very, very easy, which is inspiring for pitchers to look back and see. Um, which brings confidence to corner outfielders who don't have to freak out as much as Luis Robert will cover two thirds of that outfield. And Aloya Menez and Adam Engel, or today Nicky Delmonico, or eventually Nomar Mazzara can just relax a little bit. So if you watch, you'll notice some things like that. And if you watch the games, you'll notice. That Chris Bryant's leadoff at-bats have been very long and arduous at-bats for the pitcher. And that his teammates are completely locked in from the dugout and enjoying it and cheering Bryant on. So there is an effectiveness that is being fed off of in that Cubs dugout. And an effectiveness that is being felt by the the opposing pitcher that you don't see in the box score. In terms of Chris Bryant's leadoff stats. Those are two things that you can't fake and you don't know unless you're watching the game. Before we take a break and bring in Chris Kamka to tie the room together, let's talk to Tom on the Northwest side, who is on hit and run this morning. Hello, Tom. How are you?
1: Real good. Thank you so much for taking my call. I appreciate that. Of course. I was just really uh, kind of upset with the White Sox giving up on Carson Fulmer. I know he's been a terrible disappointment, but uh, the only thing when you think of the Cubs – with uh, the the walkman, you know, the guy that uh, walked all the guys and had no no direction, uh, and the Cubs, I realize the Cubs had like 38 million dollars invested in him, but the, the Sox had really nothing really invested in uh, uh, Carson Fulmer. Yeah, other than, you know, the original bonus payoff. But, but the thing was, all it was was location. He had great, great spin rate, great fastball. I don't understand. I've been watching the Detroit, uh, writers and, oh, they're hopping, hopping up and down they're, 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 as though they're going to put him in, right into the starting, uh, uh, rotation, which I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah. what do you think about that, about Fulmer? You think we're going to regret that down the line?
3: I don't. Thank you for the call. Um, I don't. I think it's a big, big miss from a Vanderbilt pitching staff that had Walker Bueller on it. He went 22nd in the draft, Fulmer, I think, went 8th to the White Sox. Um, no, I, but I understand from the Tigers' perspective, from their writers and their fans, the position they are, absolutely go out and get yourself what you know was deemed a first-round talent and see if you can tweak something and figure it out. I, um, I don't agree that it's only fastball command or, like, command in general with Fulmer. I think his stuff just has not moved. It just doesn't have a lot of movement to it. It's not very, it's not very intriguing and difficult to hit. Um, so here, here's what Carson Fulmer had to say to Detroit writers today on why it didn't work out in Chicago. This from uh, Scott Merkin. To keep a long story short, there was a lot of things that I did the last couple years that I just wasn't used to. Mechanical changes. I could get all into that. But at the end of the day, I really want to get back to who I am. And that's pitching with my mentality and my competitiveness. I love to win. Putting mechanics aside, putting all of the analytical stuff aside, all the stuff that is in baseball now, and just getting back to who I am. And that's competing at the highest level, winning at the highest level, and just giving the team the best chance to win. All right, so that's Fulmer pushing back on things the White Sox asked him to do mechanically and analytically over these past couple years. We'll see. Getting back to being himself is, you know what it reminds me of? Guess what former White Sox prospect who struggled uh, for a long time And it was awkward until he eventually went away. Not a pitcher, but guess who this reminds me of? Sean Anderson.
5: I have no idea.
3: Gordon Beckham. As Gordon Beckham struggled, every time he was struggling, he'd say, I just got to get back to being myself. Resisting some of the conversation that has been placed in front of him to change. Here's an option. Here's an option. Here's an option. Nah, it's not working. I just got to get back to being myself. I remember it very, very clearly. I wish Carson Fulmer well, but I don't. I don't think that is someone you're going to have to worry about uh, succeeding somewhere else and it stepping up and biting you in the butt. Yeah. I just and- think- and Jim and Margulis
5: of Sox Machine did a write up about Carson Fulmer, and to the point of the fastball, his velocity was never the same. In 2016, it averaged at 92.8; in 2017, 93.3; in 2018, 92.6, and then in 2019, 93.7. So the highest mark in 2019, but he was coming out of high uh, coming out of college throwing 96. So his fastball's really never been the same, even since they drafted him.
3: Yeah. It's um, it's so it's it's just never it's just never been the same. Nicky Delmonico is hitting second for the Cubs. I mean, for the White Sox today, second in their lineup for Ricky Renteria. But uh, I think it's better having another lefty in there. I just don't know a world where he deserves to hit second. We will talk about getting fans into the seats at a local ballpark and maybe ballparks all over baseball at the top of the hour as we head into Cubs pregame at 1220. But between now and then, my guy Chris Kempka, the sultan of staff from NBC Sports Chicago, will join us to celebrate his new fatherhood and the return of baseball here on opening weekend. It's Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I'm like a daddy. I'm like a, a papa. Is that Rick Rattoria talking about being a papa? Sounded like him. I'm like a daddy. I'm like a a papa. Well, let's talk to a real papa, shall we? Our man Chris Kamka, at CKamka on Twitter, is the sultan of stat from NBC Sports Chicago, a delightful follow, and the man who usually ties the room together like a good area rug, right here on hit and run on 670 to score. Congratulations on fatherhood. That's the best reason ever to blow off your appearance last week on the show, Chris.
7: Well, thank you for that. And as a matter of fact, I was hoping to get on, but we were in the process of discharging from the hospital. So that took a long time. And, but anyway, we're home, and everything is good. good. Um, I mean, for, for a kid that shares a birthday with Shoeless Joe, I don't, I've never seen so many little pairs of shoes in my life. He has more shoes than I've ever had in my life right now.
3: and he doesn't need any of them he's not going anywhere not yet oh yeah no those are those are ridiculous now I did like the White Sox um mini helmet that you had on him and you paired it with a picture of you in a White Sox mini helmet they're not the same helmet because one is block and one is script but were both um gained via the ballpark and ice cream is that how both came to be in the ownership of the Kamka family well I can say for the second one
7: certainly was. I don't know about the first. I'll have to check with my parents on that.
3: <clears throat> okay.
7: And see if they remember. But yeah, I mean I saw the I found the picture. I'm like, wait a minute. Here's an opportunity. I'm gonna be one of those dads that takes a bunch of pictures. Uh, but I'm proud of it. It's it's fun. It's great. I'm really excited. I'm um, tired but good. <laughs>
3: Well, you know, just just the other day, Chris, um, I had what finally felt like the first day of summer for my eight year old boy after he'd been through an appendectomy and, and, what, and some other stuff this year. And he's doing great. So we went over to the we went over to the park and I just threw I threw balls to him and he hit a hit him all hit a few of them deep. And felt great. And he said, Daddy, I'll do this every day. So eventually that may happen to you. At eight years old, the boys finally, for me, like, let's go. Let's go. Well, well, I've got the
7: foam bat and ball set already. And it does say age three plus. And we're already three days in and we still haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, but um, you, you'll, you know.
3: you'll figure it out. Those that that means years. You, you'll figure it out eventually. Um, all right, but what can you tell me? Are you enjoying having baseball? This is a good time to be the father of an infant because you're not going anywhere, and baseball can be your companion and your backdrop for all day and every day.
7: Well, it's amazing. It's so great to have it back. There's already a bunch of fun, weird stuff that's going on, and I've learned to um, do the diaper changes mid inning. Um, but Probably my favorite one so far is the Yohannes Cespedes home run streak, which sadly ended yesterday, but he had a three-game home run streak over a span of 804 days, which is as weird as it gets. He played one game on May thirteenth, 2018, then he was gone for another two-plus months, hit a home run in his next game, July twentieth, 2018, and in two-plus years, and he hit a home run on Friday, which is unbelievable. It happened. But I went around and looked. and like, has anybody else had a gap in their home run streak? And I've, and I've found three of them. Hmm. Um, Harriet Chitty, who is known for being traded for himself, as being the player to be named later in the trade for a player to be named later, uh, did so for the Cubs. Um, September 28, 1952, then went to Korea, and then he came back. And it's uh, April 11th, 1955. A span spans 926 days. Hmm. Um, Joe DiMaggio, World War II. Um, but before he went, September 27th, 1942, he homered. He came back April 16th, 1946, and homered. 1,298-day streak um, with two day, two games of home runs. And Hank Greenberg, same deal. World War II, uh, he hit one. It's two home runs, actually, May 6th, 1941, and uh, hit another one, his next game, July 1st, 1945, a two-game home run streak over a span of 1,518 days.
3: Hmm. That, that's that's pretty you, awesome. Mm-hmm.
7: Technically, if you wanted to look at it this way, um, Tom Pachoric has an active two-game home run streak, which started October 3rd, 1987. <laughs> he homered the next day, and he hasn't played a game since, so right now that's at 11,986 days and counting. <laughs> if you ever want to suit up again.
3: Uh, yeah. I, 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 that's, that's hilarious. I, I want to talk about a couple of the, the most impressive feats from Chicago baseball players over the last couple of days and where those stand historically. But while we're on the topic of days between um, or days in the middle, congratulations to Daniel Bard, who pitched yesterday. For the first time since 2013 and won the game for the Colorado Rockies. Got the win with an inning and a third of relief after seven years of the yips, which included him becoming a mental skills coach. In, the, in, a, in an organization, I think it was the Reds organization, now is back, tried out for the Rockies, made the team, and got into a game yesterday and looked very good. Yeah, so we'll add him to our list of guys who've gone more than 900 days, well more than 900 days, without an appearance in MLB.
7: That's amazing because that's what we last talked about. And and the Bard thing wasn't even on the radar for us, I don't think, at that point. Just, because just we didn't a, know he made or, the team.
3: Yeah, just a day or two later, it became apparent that he had a good shot at, at making the team. So just uh, just yeah. amazing. Yeah. It goes in there. That was part of our Copec discussion. But let's um but let's move on to some true excellence in this town. Kyle Hendricks, how good was that compared to any other sort of opening day performance to go nine innings, complete game shutout on opening day for the Cubs? Well
7: I mean you can list all the Cubs who had an opening day complete digging a complete game shutout um, <clears throat> since they've been in the national league. 1876 on. You can count them all in one hand. Hendricks, Bill Bonham in 1974, Hank Wise, 1944. um, Juan Warnicke, the Arkansas Hummingbird in both 1933 and 34. Wow. And Al Spaulding, as in the sporting goods guy himself, in 1876, the first National League game in Cubs history.
3: Wow. Al Spaulding. That's... And that's the guy... Al Spaulding, from uh, not only did he found Spalding Sporting Goods, but he was one of the founders of the Chicago Athletic Association downtown here, and it's one of the reasons that the Cubs logo and the Chicago Athletic Association logo are so very similar. Is Al Spaulding. Wow! How about that?
7: Yeah, and furthermore, um, so he had a 103 pitch complete game shutout the other day, and he didn't throw a single pitch over 89.3 miles an hour. And if you go further, he had the only complete game shutout for the Cubs last year, if you remember that 81-game masterpiece. 81-pitch 81 81 pitch masterpiece. Yep. He didn't throw a pitch over 88.3 in that game. So he has the last two Cubs complete game shutouts, 184 pitches, and none of them were higher than 89.3 miles an hour.
3: Just shows you what you can do with control, with variety, um, and with with really good mechanics and phenomenal game planning. He and Mike Borzello and and the others in that, in that department just are, are so on and Hendricks just knows exactly what he's doing. It's, it's pretty remarkable stuff from, uh, and, from, from the true ace of that staff.
7: And Hendricks ends up having the first complete game shutout under David Ross. He also had the first one under Joe Matt.
3: Wow. That's pretty cool. Uh, and he made Ross's uh, life very easy on Friday night. Yesterday, by you, Darvish, not so much. Uh, Friday night, Leori Garcia had a very rough night at the plate. Saturday, yesterday, uh, or excuse me, at, uh, in the field on Friday. Yesterday, a terrific day at the plate with uh, homers from each side of the plate. How many White Sox have ever had a home run from each side of the plate, Chris Kamka?
7: Eight players done 11 times. And it wasn't the most uh, rare thing that he did for the White Sox because only nine times has a player had multiple homers out of the ninth spot in the order. And then you combine them, he's the only White Sox player to have a home run from both sides of the plate from the ninth spot in the order. It, it, it's, it's the most unexpected thing considering last year 135 players qualified for the, for the batting title. 130 of the 135 hit at least 10 home runs. Leori Garcia was one of the five that did not. So, to have a guy who is one of the only five players to qualify for the batting title and not reach double figures in home runs go ahead and have the first multi homer effort for the White Sox this season, nobody saw that coming. And especially after the night he had previously, it, it was really nice. And turn that around.
3: That's pretty cool. that That is that is really cool. And Leor Garcia back in there today. Uh, Chris Camp got anything else to squeeze in from the opening uh, opening weekend? Are we good? Well, I mean, one of the most amazing things
7: was that Luis Robert, the first pitch he sees in the major league. <laughs> yes, one hundred and fifteen point eight. That is the highest exit velocity of any first pitch by a major leaguer during the stat cast era, which goes back to 2015.
3: It's amazing. It's, it's the, the highest first pitch hit, and that was um, harder hit than all but one baseball off a Cubs uh, off a White sox bat for the entirety of last year. This team already showing themselves to be different, um, a three home run inning yesterday with Garcia and Encarnacion and and Eloy. Um, how many three home run innings did they have last year, Chris?
7: Not a one. Not And a they one. also had five home runs yesterday. They only had one five-homer game all of last
3: year. Wow. And here we are, second day in, showing how different they are. Thank you so much, Chris Kampka. You're the best. Enjoy Matteo. Well-chosen name, by the way. A little too Italian, but otherwise really, really good.
7: Well, thank you.
3: Says Matt on Chris Kampka's way out of the show. Uh Giancarlo Stanton hit a home run um yesterday that had a 121.3 mile per hour exit velocity. That's six miles per hour faster than that Luis Roberts single we were talking about. The, the, that home run by Stanton yesterday was the second hardest hit home run ever tracked by Statcast. That's since 2015. It is behind Another home run in 2018 that went 121.7 miles per hour. That was hit by Giancarlo Stanton. It also went 483 feet. So Stanton is as strong as they come. The only guy who's stronger is a previous existence of Stanton himself. Seriously, Stanton and Judge both hitting balls that hard for the Yankees is crazy. There's some really good two-star teams out there. Rendon and Trout. In Los Angeles together, Stanton and Judge together. Uh, certainly in this town, you can talk about Riz O'Brien, but Baez demands to be in there. But ain't nothing better than Mookie Betts and, and Cody Bellinger right next to each other in Los Angeles. That Dodgers team, that Dodgers offense is outrageous and has started as such. It's hit and run. We will have a Cubs pregame for you at 12-20 Before then, let's talk about this idea of fans in the stands at Wrigley and elsewhere, as elucidated by Crane Kenny the other day on The Score. We'll explain and talk about what that would look like on 670 The Score next.
6: If you just turn the television on, you have not missed any hits. One walk. That's the sum total of the offense. The one walk. That's the Moncada. It's like showing up late to a Rick Astley concert. Any hits? No hits. Somebody's going to snitch tweet Rick Astley's account or something. (laughs) And now James goes down the line and right for the very first hit of the ball game. To the no-hitters... We are going to give you up. One of the things that Garver gives you behind the plate is not the quickest thrower to second base. The pop time is a little bit worse than he would like. He's worked on it. The framing has gotten better and not much of a lead at first for Tim, so I don't think he's going anywhere. He's never going to run around and desert you? I don't think so. Are you breaking into song now? That's... Is that it? No, yeah. We, we, we appreciate Rick Astley very much for his hit.
3: <laughs> I guess Steve Stone has never been Rick-rolled. Perhaps not. But Jason Bonetti bringing the broadcast forward into the modern era of, what, 1985? with Rick Astley's never going to give you up. Good morning. Actually, good afternoon now, everybody. It's afternoon indeed. You're listening to Hit and Run on 670 The Score, where we talk baseball on both sides of town and have done so regarding the Sox and the Cubs all morning long. We are here for some bonus time today, up until about 1220 when Cubs pregame takes the air. The Cubs and the Brewers, Freddie Peralta against Tyler Chatwood. That comes up. Right here on the score at the what's the top of the hour is a 120 because I think we're a one hour pregame show. So 1220 pregame and a 120 first pitch coming up right here on 670. The score um, lots to get to uh, within our time here before we get out of here. I first should tell you that there is kind of a troubling report out of Florida where the Marlins, uh, one of their beat writers, Craig Mish, does not give up the details but basically says that they're going to be without three position players and one pitcher over the next few days. With caution and restrictions on names and testing, the best I can do is tell you the Marlins will likely be without at least three of their position players and one of their pitchers in the coming days at the same time. Not sure how any team is supposed to overcome this. Folks, this is why you have a 30-man roster. It's why you have a three-man taxi squad traveling with the teams. It's why you have another 30 spots, if you use them, at your minor league facility or wherever you're doing it, like the Schomburg White Sox and the South Bend Cubs, because MLB is expecting you to deal with this. MLB is expecting you to overcome this. There will be crazy amounts of turnover for teams, especially if there is any kind of outbreak. But MLB is expecting you to get through this because baseball is back. And it has been glorious to have baseball back. Been tremendous to have a couple of games for both teams, have a lot of things to break down, have things to get upset about that don't really mean anything in the greater context of our world. But isn't that a beautiful part of baseball and of sports in general? You can be emotionally upset with Rick Renteria's lineups, or you can be uh, you know, emotionally bothered by Yu Darvish's uh, performance at a couple key moments of that game, and we can discuss it and dissect it and think about it, and in the end, the bigger problems are there for the world, but it's nice to focus on baseball, that is for sure, and some things have been really good. Kyle Hendricks on Friday was brilliant, the White Sox offense yesterday <clears throat> was brilliant, and for the Cubs offense, Kyle Schwarber looked great yesterday with that home run, and gets a chance against another righty with pretty good stuff today in Freddie Peralta. What I wanted to make sure I brought you though before we get out of here and make way for pregame is Crane Kenny on with our Mike Mulligan and David Haw earlier in the week on six seventy the score, discussing the possibility of fans in the stands eventually at Wrigley Field. Their goal is September first. They have to talk to the mayor. They have to talk to the governor. They have to talk to MLB as there are restrictions statewide, citywide and league wide about doing this. But teams, multiple teams are actively trying to prove that they could do it in a safe and socially distant way. There is a computer program called Social Distancing Manager that has been set up by a company named 3D Digital Venues. Um, And they are helping organizations, not just in baseball, but in other sports around the world, figure out a way to get people in and out of a ballpark, have them use facilities and have them sit in a spot where they can maintain safe social distance from other groups, two people at a time, four people at a time, maybe six people at a time for your big groups. But either way. How could they do it? How would they do it? The Cubs are actively working on it. Here's Crane Kenny discussing exactly that on the score earlier in the week.
8: We think there's a path to do that. Um, and there's been some, some coverage of some technology that we, uh, we employed to, to map out our, our manifest, our seating manifest, to find uh, ways to put groups of two, four, and six uh, fans into the ballpark yet socially distanced from each other. So if you and your family were coming, David, and let's say there were four of you, we could find a place for the four of you to sit together, but still be six feet uh, apart from everyone else in the ballpark while you're in the, in your seats. Um, So we think there's some technology that helps us. Uh, We're working with the city and the league. Currently the league is not allowing anyone to have fans in the ballpark. So even if we had an agreement with the city, we couldn't, we couldn't open our doors uh, but we are hopeful, like maybe say September 1st, that for maybe the last half of the season, we could let some folks come in and, and enjoy some baseball in person. Um, and so working with the city, working with the league, uh, working with our medical professionals, um, there would be dedicated uh, gates for people who are coming. You would have a window to come in and out of the ballpark. So and rather than saying it's a one start and the gates are opening at 11:20, so two hours prior to the game start, you would have a window um, for you and your family to come into the ballpark, we'd designate a gate for you to come in, a designated gate for you to leave. We'd probably do in-seat concessions so that you would order your concessions and they'd be brought to you rather than you waiting in line. Um, and then you'd have dedicated restrooms. So I think there's a way it's important for us for two reasons. One is we'd love to treat our fans to some games live. The second reason is, you know, we're looking down the road at 2021 and, and we're not sure that life will be that that different next year. So anything we can do to to get a a little bit of a glimpse of how we'll have to operate the stadium next year, uh, this year would give us uh, obviously a whole year to plan for it. So there's there's some learnings in there for us as well.
3: See, that makes all the sense in the world, especially that final part. This might be the reality next year at Wrigley Field and other places where a very limited amount of people are allowed in, and you've got to figure out a way to do it safely. It's it's a crazy world right now, and until there's a vaccine that gets well circulated, it may stay crazy. Somehow, they have found a way to play baseball. I hope they continue to find a way to play baseball. Boy, it's been a pleasure to have the game back as a companion on in your house and something to focus on. In the evening and otherwise And how about this afternoon as Cubs baseball is next Right here on the score Thank you to producer Sean Anderson For his consistently great job on hit and run Thank you to all the callers and texters and tweeters today Passionate White Sox fans Talking about your lineup and other things Passionate Cub fans Worried about your bullpen and other things This is baseball Thank you to our guests today Bruce Levine The new daddy Chris Kamka Bart Wingler And Keegan Matheson, the Toronto Blue Jays beat writer, who talked to us about the Buffalo Blue Jays. Baseball is here. There is joy available. Enjoy it. Let Pat and Ron be part of the soundtrack of your Sunday. They're coming up next. Have a great day, everybody. Zach Zabin and Cubs pregame coming up next on The Score. I'll be in tomorrow with Dan McNeil from 2 to 6 to talk about the opening weekend and a whole lot more on The McNeil and Parkins Show. Thanks,
0: everybody. Have a great day.